Hey everybody, welcome into To The Point. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday. Beautiful day outside. The Stanley Cup playoffs have begun. Four games last night, four games this evening. We got Rangers, Devils, Leafs, Lightning, Vegas, and Winnipeg. And finishing off with Colorado and Seattle this evening. We had four games last night, a couple games in the NBA. A lot to dive into today. In about an hour's time, Seamus Fillmore will be by. We'll talk about a number of different things. He sent me a bunch of predictions that he made for the playoff series yesterday via text. We have a Boston Bruins bet that I'll get into later on in the show. We're going to chat about some NBA. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit about last night's games as well if we, if we have time. So that's coming up with Seamus in an hour's time. Before we get to him, I have some thoughts on last night's game, surprisingly. My first thought is, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs are a marathon, not a sprint. For the players and the people consuming it, for people like me that have this thing about them where I can't go to bed until the last game's done, even if it's on a Monday night. And boy, it would have been nice to have a clean night of no overtimes. It would have been ideal. But Minnesota and Dallas feel like they have to play into double overtime past the halfway point. You know, I enjoyed the game. It was great. I enjoyed the overtime, but as it gets later and later and you see it and then you... You know, my body clock is up every morning at like 3.30, so I was up then, and I only went to bed after 2. So, you know, it's a rough start for your guy here. I'm not complaining. I'm still going to watch every game. still going to watch a game tonight. We're going to recap them all. But just an overall overarching thought to start off. Just could we have started off with no overtime games? Could we get the overtime games on Friday, Saturday? Could that have been a possibility? I don't know. Just just a thought off the top here, but interesting nonetheless. Great games last night. Interesting theater. Different takeaways from every individual game. But before I get to talking about each series, I want to start off on a bigger topic. And this thought process, this kind of independent research assignment that I've done is based off last night, which is one game of a sample size, but also last year in the postseason. I believe the NHL is going through a systematic change in playoff hockey in the way it's officiated. When I was five, six till 10 years old, you would see one to three power plays a game in the NHL during the postseason. Whistles went away. They weren't calling penalties. And it was just accepted. You could get away with a lot of stuff. It was chippy. It was physical, dirty, however you want to describe it. And that's just the way it was officiated. People had to deal with it. And it benefited certain teams, certain identities of teams, the Anaheim Ducks, the 07 Ducks that won, very physical, very chippy, very on the edge. 
you think of a team, not even past champions, but I think of teams that, that got very far. Think of the Senators team in 07. They were very physical, very much like Anaheim, very gritty, very in-your-face. They had Ray Emery and Nett who fought Ryan Miller in the conference final. It was a different time, but still you think certain things are going to stay the same. The whistles are going to go away. There isn't going to be many calls. There's The game's going to change so much but also stay the same in certain little aspects. It is changing everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Because last night there was 19 goals scored between the four games. Nine of them were scored on the power play. That's 47%. Also in the LA game, LA Edmonton game, another goal was scored four on four. That's a, that's a different, it's not five on five. It's, it's different. There's two penalties. It's four on four. It's a different set of rules. I'm going to chalk it up to 50% of the goals last night were scored when it was not five on five, when there were special teams, when there was a different set of circumstances on the ice. 50% of the, over 50% of the goals, 10 out of 19 last night were scored on the power play. Last season, in the Leafs-Lightning first-round series, there were 56 penalties called. Do you remember that series? Remember how many penalties there were? Is that ringing a bell? That's an average of eight penalties per game. That's a lot of damn penalties. That's a lot of damn penalties. You go around the game last night. Edmonton had 14 penalty minutes. All minors. Seven minor penalties. L.A. had four. Dallas in Minnesota. This is a physical affair, a physical game. 22 penalty minutes to 14 for Minnesota. Boston and Florida. Quieter, both only had two penalties. They did score in the power play, though. And in the New York Islander Carolina Hurricane games, Hurricanes game, each team had four penalties. So there's the eight average. The whistles are not going away. The whistles are here to stay. And my big hypothesis, my big overarching thought here is teams like the New York Islanders Teams like the Minnesota Wild, we'll see, that aren't necessarily built for the regular season, but they get themselves to this point and they think the game's gonna change. Maybe we can we can change we can as the game changes, it benefits us and we can go deeper into the playoffs. I think the days of that happening are are dying. To me, the most skilled teams will win, will have more success, will ultimately go deeper in the postseason. Teams like the Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, these teams built on skill, not necessarily on brute force, 
are going to benefit in the end because whistles used to go away. Used to be able to hack, slash, be physical with these with with the opposing team's best players, and they could do nothing about it but try to do it back to you. But it wasn't in their DNA, and they did not get the benefit of being quicker, of being more skilled. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just pointing it out that I think this is a fact, and I think it's happening right in front of our eyes. There used to be a way you officiate in the regular season and the way you officiate in the postseason. It's it's over. It's the same standard, and that does make sense. Again, I'm going to repeat this. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just pointing it out. I'm noticing it. I'm noticing that it's not the same game. Last night, there was physical hockey. There was. It was good hockey. I enjoyed it. Last night, I watched it until 2 o'clock in the morning. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be watching it for eight hours. But I but I, I notice a difference, and I just want to bring it to your guys' attention. Do you see it? Do you see a change in the game? Do you see differences from 2010? When the Blackhawks were winning, I see a different game. I see a different game than when the Blackhawks were playing in 2010. Because they played a physical brand of hockey. And if you look at it now, just doing a little search here. If you look up the way it was back then, there would be more penalty minutes because there were fights, because there was more skirmishes, because you had to take people after the whistle. There's less of that. There's less of that now. But here's here's some interesting stuff here. So I mentioned Toronto, 8.56 last year. Bruins, 9.87. New York Rangers, 8.23. It keeps going up. Teams are getting more and more. They're calling everything. There was a game decided in overtime last night on a power play goal. That never used to happen. In 2021, sorry, in 2020-2020, or 2021, what year is it? 2020-2021, each team averaged 3.8 penalties per game. Last year, it was 4.7. The per-game average of 4.7 is actually the highest it's been in 40 years. That was last year. It's going to go up. It continues to go up. We've seen this in the NBA where the emphasis on we want to see the skilled players with the balls in their hands. We want to see them make crazy plays. We don't want to see charges. We don't want to see foul shots. That's not – but if if you're going to abuse our best players, hand up, foul, call the play. I think what we're seeing now is the NHL, the game – Dictating that we want to help the Connor McDavid's, we want to help the Austin Matthews, we want to help the Kirill Kaprizov's, and benefit them more than say 
Ryan Hartman, Blake Lazote, Warren Fogle. This will change things. If it continues to go this way, because maybe a team like the Islanders, because they're the true outlier where they're built so polar opposite to what the league is, to where the t- league is, is going, to what the league identity is, skill, um, speed, the ability to, to play different positions, positionless NHL, defensemen that can move the puck. All their defensemen are kind of built the same. They're all big, broody physical guys there's not there's not that little smaller defenseman that can move all around the ice Colorado's got about three of them so they are the polar opposite of what the league is can Carolina can the Islanders can they win because you see what's funny is those two teams are playing each other in a series and they play the same way and that's the only way I think it works is if you're playing against one another and you can kind of, one of you has to win. Law of physics. One versus one. Somebody has to win the series. There's no ties. Not FC Wrexham. Somebody has to, to, win, to win the game. So can those teams built on that fundamental principle still win in our changing game? My answer is it's unlikely because if your power play isn't all that good, New York Islanders, 30th in the NHL, it's hard to win. It's hard to win because a lot of the game isn't spent 5-on-5 anymore. It's not spent 5-on-5 anymore. 16 of the 60 minutes last night, Islanders, Carolina's on the power play. Carolina wins the game 2-to-1. Guess where both their goals came? 10 of the 20 goals scored in four games last night were when the, when it, the game was not 5-on-5. Five five. It's just an observation. It's just something to keep your eye on because it truly is a shift in how the game is played. I like a more physical game. I do. I hated the call in the Edmonton-Los Angeles game last night. We'll get to that in a minute. I hated it. But I understand how from a marketing perspective, you want to give your stars every ability to provide interesting, complicated, uniquely great individual plays and when they are getting hauled to the ground and when they're getting hit and when they're getting tripped and getting beaten on physically it's unlikely to happen so the nhl is being smart for their product this is better it is just like you can't hit the players going to the lane like you could hit michael jordan in the 80s like the bad boy Pistons were doing to Michael Jordan. You can't do that anymore. You'll be suspended for years. That doesn't fly anymore because we're in a different era. We're in a different time. 
The, the product is still very good. I enjoyed it last night. But it's just different. The NFL is different from when I was a kid. I still love it with every fiber of my being. But you, sometimes you just have to acknowledge something that's, that, that's changing. You know, the car that you were driving that I was in when I was uh, five years old is different from when I'm, you know, I'm 24. Almost 20 years later, that's a, a different vehicle. There's different engineering. There's different technology. Everything's changing. Why shouldn't a game? And it should. Sports adapt. And as I go full circle in this conversation, I talked about Major League Baseball. And I believe what Major League Baseball has done, speeding up the game, pitch clock, um, the batters have to be in the box, all the, the fundamental changes that they have made to their game have been fantastic. Their product's better. I've watched more baseball in April than I have in years. I care about the sport. I think it's all positive, all great. And you have to make those changes to keep people interested. So for hockey, it would make sense to do the same thing. But here's my thought on that. Hockey is different because I don't know if your audience. Hockey is very archaic. Hockey is very what your grandfather taught you. If you grew up in a family where you liked physical hockey, I'll give you, a, for instance, for me, I grew up, my parents loved the Maple Leafs. And when I think of the Maple Leafs as a child, the first two people that come to mind are Matt Sundin and Ty Domi. Matt Sundin for being the pillar of professionalism, a pillar of hope and just an overall really good person. I haven't taken any of those. Funny enough, I like them, but I haven't taken any of those in my in my overall daily practices, but we'll save that for another show. But Ty Domi comes to mind because Ty Domi was a fighter. Ty Domi was, he stood out. He brought entertainment. He was different from everybody else. And I think the, the game of hockey is built on the game being a physical sport. And there was physicality last night. Matt Dumba laid out Joe Pavelski. But the game is different. And I think when you know that whistles are going to come out more and more frequently, your ability or your sense of Freedom to act in in a state of aggression or physical, just your overall thought of, okay, I, I want to be physical on this play. Do I have to let up? Can I hit him? Is that going to be charging? There's thoughts in your head to where I don't know if I can finish that check. I don't know if I can go in there because am I going to get called for it? Am I going to hurt my team in the process? Because I know the team across the ice has a better power play and they might fucking burn me it's 
Hockey is doing what they believe to be right. Emphasizing skill, emphasizing superstar talent. I don't go to a lot of little kids' games, but I think that when you watch them, they think of Kale McCarr, they think of Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. So I think they're they're building towards the future. But little kids aren't staying up to watch games. Little kids have to go to bed by 9 o'clock. They watch a period. The NHL and hockey as a sport cannot be arrogant enough to just make fundamental changes and hope people are going to still watch. Because guess what? They don't have that big of an audience. I've mentioned this so many times in the past, and it's just the overall fact. Who gives a shit if people in Canada are watching it? You need more people to watch it. Because, yeah, there's there's people in Canada. They're going to watch hockey forever. But can you get people in the States to watch consistently? ESPN.com this morning, there was one article on the NHL. They had a picture of Jason Tatum in a Boston Bruins uniform. It's a basketball player. That's not hyperbolic. That wasn't on the end. It's on ESPN.com. Go check it out. They might have taken it down. I understand the pivot. But is it a pivot that can work? Violence, whether you want it to be or not, is a sales pitch. It's something that can sell. The great quarterbacks are sexy in the NFL. They're great. You love them. Sidearm throws. What do we, at our core, love about football? Thought that somebody might get lit up on the next play. Thought that Troy Polamalu might jump over the over the coverage and hit somebody really hard. We might find something really entertaining on that play. Our love of sports, our love of what they do, is built on the fundamental principle of violence. It just is. And when you're calling every other little trip a ticky-tack play, when you throw a check and you call a penalty on it, it takes away that side of the game. It makes the game very up and down the ice, very no-hit-ish, if you will. It's an interesting development It's an interesting, fundamental change. I think they've been doing it quietly, but I thought back to that first-round series of the Leafs today. I thought, watching the games last night, this is what came to to my mind, is seeing the amount of power plays, seeing the amount of goals, not five-on-five. Every year, the penalties are going up in the playoffs, and every year, to me, the physicality goes down. It's chippy, but was it more physical last night or was the ice being taken away? Two different things. Were players more tight checking? Were players more focused on their individual defensive assignment? I think it's the latter. Doesn't mean it's not a good product. It just means it's different. 
and people will watch hockey, yours truly, regardless of what it is. But I make this point all the time. These sports marketing people that run the run the business, they're not marketing to me because they already got me. Hook, line, and sinker, long time ago. How are you going to get the kids? How are you going to get people to watch every night? Are people staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning because they believe that they might see a highlight, highlight real play? I don't think. If you have the thought, well, this game could get ugly. This game's out of hand. It's 4-1 at 11 o'clock. If I stay up till the third period, we might see something interesting here. I think they might. You might gamble that there's penalty minutes, a certain amount of penalty minutes in the third period. Might keep somebody awake. Might keep somebody on the couch. Keep viewership. Keep them on Twitter. Keep them betting. What does that do? Keeps your business going. Keeps your product interesting. I don't know how this will work moving forward. I only can comment on what I see head on. But let me know if you think I'm, I'm right or wrong, if I'm onto something here, because I truly think this metamorphosis is happening. Through numbers and just watching the game, it's not as physical. There's more penalties being called. And believe me, the, the power plays are so dynamic and they're incredible. And there's so much talent in the NHL right now. There is. But there are players who are skill-based that could benefit their game more from physical play. And I think they're going to be hampered. Today, tomorrow, down the line, if they can't, if they can't use it. If they have to get to pull up, can I hit that guy? Are you going to finish your check? Or are you going to worry you might get a charging penalty? Is it roughing? Do we really know what it is? Or should I go and take a drive-by and hope to cut him off on the boards? I know one is more popular than the other with the overall fan base of the NHL. <laughs> the hit will never go out of style. It just it just won't. It just won't, but... Let me know what your thoughts are on this. Because it, it's... To me, it's fascinating. The game's changing, as it should. Everything grows, everything... And the game will never be what it was when I was a kid. We've seen that metamorphosis. There's no fighting anymore. There's going to be no fighting in junior hockey. But if there's very little, very little physicality and you're scared to death to do anything because you're going to worry about a whistle interfering with the game, how does that change it? How does each individual player approach the game? It's interesting. I'm curious to see where this goes, what happens in the NHL 
moving forward when it comes to the referees and, and the whistle. And I'll be tracking it throughout the postseason. Let's get to the let's get to the series last night. Let's begin in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers played 40 great minutes of hockey last night. 40 excellent minutes where they truly deserved to win the game. They were faster. They were smarter. They dominated play, and they gave up very little. The problem is you got to play 60. And in the last 10 minutes, they really played 50 really good minutes. And in the final 10 minutes of the game, they fell asleep a little bit. And I'll also say I thought Stuart Skinner led in two pretty soft goals. Both Adrian Kempe goals, I feel he should have saved. The backhand wrister in front of the net and then the uh, the backhander and then the, the wrister from far out. You got to make saves on those. He did not. Jonas Corposalo made some key saves. So I don't think Stuart Skinner had a great game. But to me, what I was really impressed by last night in particular was the ageless wonder Anze Kopitar. And not the fact that he had four points. That's secondary to me. His ability to play 200 feet and the way he turns defense into offense is his superpower. He'd make a play on McDavid, puck goes down the ice, finds Kempe. One, two passes later, it's in the back of the net. He gets in his own zone, he pokes the puck away. Puck goes down the ice, you find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. He contributes on the first goal. He contributes on the game. He scores a game-tying goal. He gets in, uh, the primary assist on the overtime game winner from Alex Iafalo. He had a part of every a part of everything in this game. He was all over the ice. He was smart. I love the way Kopitar played. It's funny cuz he gets older and and you look at him and you think you shouldn't be this good anymore. He's already played so much hockey. And you hear names like, you know, Sidney Crosby and, and Malkin, you think of those guys. But Anze Kopitar has been doing this for a long time. He's 35 years old. Be 36 in August. He had 74 points this year. 74 points. He had 67 last year. And he played 81 and 82 games respectively the last two years. He's always available. Consistently a really solid player. He just, to me, he was their most important piece last night. He never gave up on the game. He kept he kept the team in it. And he set the tone early in the third in the third period that we're not done yet. Yeah, we're down two nothing. We played a really flat 40 minutes. But maybe we can squeak a game here. We can steal one if we play really tough 20. And they did. And it was the Kempe, Kopitar, Byfield line in particular where Kempe has such elite finish. To me, he's a special talent, Adrian Kempe. I mentioned that you should have saved both of them. But he's also so – 
He's got a wicked release. He's a really creative player. He's not. He's uber confident, which is one of the best qualities he has. Is he's not. He's, he'll shoot from anywhere. He'll try different things. He's just. He's a special dude. Adrian Kempe, really good player. But Kopitar turns defense into offense. You have. You have um, Vladislav Gavrikov, who I thought was fantastic last night. For the for the uh, Los Angeles Kings, who they got the trade deadline, he makes a key play on their first goal, blocking a, a McDavid to Drysaddle pass. He just, I thought he, I thought he was, he was good. Jonas Corposalo was really solid between the pipes for Los Angeles. For Edmonton, I mentioned through 40 minutes, I thought they were fantastic. In particular, in the first period, they completely blitzed the Los Angeles Kings. They got power plays early. They didn't allow the Kings to get settled. They're using their speed. Mikey Anderson, Drew Doughty were struggling a bit earlier, early with McDavid. Dry saddle scores on the power play. He scores another goal late in the third period. But their power play was chugging. They're getting good scoring opportunities, and they were limiting, you know, what they were giving up. He he was good. I thought the Oilers were good, and like I said, until the third period where they got a little bit careless with the puck, and they turned the puck over too often. I would give McDavid's game last night about a, a B minus. At times, he was extremely dynamic. His speed was burning people. They were having a hard time containing him. But ultimately, he turned the puck over a little too much. I thought he tried a number of things that just didn't have to. The Oilers, because it's one game. That's what we have to remember. It's not overreaction. It's one hockey game. They lost game one to Los Angeles last year, and they won the series. What they have to recall is be prepared and play to win the game, not and play to preserve the lead. Don't play to score another goal when you don't have to. You have a two-goal lead. Why you don't force something that doesn't have to be. Just take what's take what's available to you. And I think early on, Drew Doughty was trying to bait Connor McDavid into some stuff, and I think he worked a little bit because I think Doughty overall had a really good game last night. He had to be all over the ice, chasing people around. I mean, Drew Doughty's not a spring chicken. He played 27 minutes. Led the team by a country mile. Mike Anderson played 21 minutes. Edler played 18, Dursey played 22, Gavrikov played 20, Matt Roy played 20. So Doughty was out there a ton. And you look across the bow, McDavid played 25, but he had five shots, but he was on the ice for two goals. One, I would look at directly his fault. Bouchard played 24 minutes for the Oilers. 
Nurse played 26. Ekholm played 26. If I'm Edmonton, I'm not panicking, but this is a this is something you need to learn early on and adapt and change. Through 40 minutes, you were fantastic, but you couldn't close the deal. You made stupid mistakes that a team such as yourself that made a conference final last year shouldn't. You should be able to shut the door. You shouldn't give up a goal six on five. You can't take a penalty in the last minute of the hockey game, which L.A. scored on. But L.A. scores a game-tying goal on the power play, and they score the game-winning goal on the power play in overtime. Two more power play goals, folks, that I mentioned earlier. New game. Kopitar on the power play, Ayafalo on the power play. And I didn't like the call in overtime. If you weren't familiar with the game, if you didn't watch the highlights, it was a play where Blake Lazote and big Vinny Dayarnay are going for the puck. Blake Lazote goes under Dayarnay. It's a, It was a kind of a cheeky, little greasy play. Lazote's a little grit grinder. He can get a little greasy out there. So he ta- he goes low on Darnay. Darnay's in the process of, of falling. It's, it's, it's a de facto trip itself. And as he's going down, his stick, because he's a big man, 6'5", as he's going down, his stick gets caught up in Lazote. Lazote falls. They call tripping on Darnay, and Alex Ayafalo scores on the Upcoming power play. Game over. Was it by definition a trip? Yes. But what Lazote did by definition was a trade, was a trip also. I've never heard of of just offsetting trippings. But what I don't get for one up, what I don't get when it comes to uh, when I never understood when I played, I watch now. You see them take one out of the pile, and it's the person that reacts. Why not be the person that punches the other one in the face first? Because if the person that does is the person that punches the player in the face first, and you take the guy that reacts, there wouldn't be any bullshit if the player didn't throw the first punch. Pretty simple equation. Never understood that. I always used to get calls for slashing people. Well, yeah, because they slashed me first. What am I supposed to do? Just take it? Fat chance. I don't like the call. I get off the top. I talked about how they're taking more and more penalties. But this was one where you let it go. They call penalties in the the Dallas-Minnesota overtime as well. I I just... I don't like deciding a game in the playoffs in overtime on the power play. And when it's egregious, you have to. Or when it's a delay, delay of game, you have to. I get it. To me, this was not egregious enough to blow the whistle. This was not one where it makes total sense and you just have to make you have to go with it. It was one where it was a judgment call whether you're taking both of them or you're taking none. Because this wasn't where Lazote was going to the net. He was nowhere close to scoring a goal. Neither of them had the puck at the time. So it was a weird play. You take them both, you take nobody. I would have taken nobody and let them both go. Because they both 
by definition, committed a foul. They both tripped one another. So if I'm Edmonton, I don't like the fact that... And it's tough if you're Jay Whitcroft, because you could say we were the better team, which you were. They scored two of the most important goals in the power play, which they did. For Edmonton, their penalty kill has to be better. That's one thing you got to look at the game and say, wow, they're scoring all these goals in the power play. We have to do better. We have to do a better job of shutting them down. Because L.A. does have dynamic players. Arvidsson out there, he's a game changer for that team. Kempe, Kopitar, Ayafalo. When they put Dursey on the power play, the kid can shoot the puck. He can find lanes. Fiala will likely be back in the series sooner rather than later. But for all, all these series, unless I tell you otherwise, I would not panic. If you're a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, just breathe. Just breathe because, like I said, you lost game one last year. You were the better team last night, but you lost. It happens. It's the way you respond to that and the way you way you approach the game. Connor McDavid didn't exactly have a great game one last year. I expect him to respond in game two at home tomorrow night and play really well because he's the best player in the world. That's just what he does. Drysaddle can keep it up. He was great in the playoffs last year. He was good last night. He's Edmonton's best player. But if I'm L.A., keep Drew Doughty out against McDavid. He can't shut him down all the time, but Drew Doughty does a good job. Drew Doughty will get in people's faces. He will move up and get into their body, and that's something he just he masters in. He's up there in age two, but he's still a superstar defenseman. Here, Carlson this year is going to win the Norris. He makes all that money. Drew Doughty makes a ton of money too. Drew Doughty's team makes the playoffs. Drew Doughty's still really good at his position. Unlike the other. Let's pivot to the Boston-Florida game. This was an interesting game because no Patrice Bergeron bunch of Boston players were under the under the weather. But Linus Allmark played. Charlie McAvoy ended up playing. Florida went with Alex Lyon in between the pipes. This game, you can take it either way for Florida, and you have to try to find the positive spin on it. Because Florida was better than the Boston Bruins last night, but Florida lost the game. Boston's best period was the third, but through 40 minutes, I thought Florida had a really solid game plan. They played extremely hard, and they limited what Boston could do. Their D were aggressive, like I pitched them like they should be on the preview pod. They were physical. They were just all over the ice. Aaron Ekblad had one of his best games of the season. Last night, I thought he played fantastic. He was jumping in the play at every opportunity he could. He was down, going up against the opposing team's defense. He played 23 minutes. He was it was on the ice for two goals. 
But to me, he played really well last night. There was some bad luck in that. Mark Stahl, who I normally hate, actually played pretty well defensively last night. But Florida was on the attack. They're making it tough on the Boston defense. Boston was not getting great scoring opportunities. And I thought Florida, in particular, 40 minutes were fantastic. Really, really good. But yet, they still lose the game. So there's the rub. Can you find the positive that you played a really good game, yet you didn't win? And you know that you're the inferior team, and you're playing the best regular season team of all time. Can you find the positive in that? Tough. I'll be honest. It's it's tough. Because Bergeron will likely play tomorrow night. They'll get their lineup back, and it, it was a mixed bag evening for Alex Lyon. He let in a really ugly goal. The Marchand goal can't go in. Right through the glove. No way that can go in. Br- brutal goal to let in. But overall, I thought Alex Lyon was good. He made some huge saves. He made about three or four saves on Trent Frederick that were phenomenal. He stopped 26 to 29 shots. It's good, not great. Allmark stopped 31 to 32. But overall, Florida had better opportunities. They were on the puck more. They just they limited it. They limited time and space. They pissed people off. Giovanni Smith was physical early in the game. But I look at the game in a couple different ways why you lose it. Lyon lets in a brutal goal, so that's a 2-1 goal. Another goal in the game is on the power play. And again, this was this was Smith, Jamel, sorry, Jamel Smith, who who made a horrible. You just can't. He takes a penalty in the middle of the neutral zone. It's a it's a late thing for him. You have to throw a late cross second. No need for it. It's just undisciplined. You're playing a better team. You, you can't do it. You have to use your head. You have to be smarter. You have to keep your wits because you have you have to be aware of who your opponent is. You have to be aware that your power play aren't game breakers. And that David Pasternak's on the other side, he's on that power play. You're playing a really good game. You make a couple boneheaded decisions. Alex Lyon forgets how to glove a puck. You take a stupid penalty, and before you know it, you lose the game. Teams with less talent don't have that ability to overcome it. Matthew Kachuk was flying last night. He was really good for the Panthers. Really good. Real solid game one. A number of their forwards I thought were, were noticeable. Were fairly good. Duclair, who hadn't played a lot of hockey this year, I thought was good in game one. They got good scoring opportunities. They got through the middle of the ice. I don't know if I can say that I saw an opening to beat the Bruins, but I saw the way that Florida approached the game is how I'd want to play if I'm, you know, the opposing team trying to beat them. Be physical, be quick, make them make quick decisions, force them to make mistakes. It's going to be difficult to do that with Hampus Lindholm because he's just such a game changer. My God, is he a good player. His ability 
to have a player on him and yet make the smart decision on the fly with little time to notice, okay, I have a guy coming towards me, so I can't go dead center because he's right in front of me. I have a guy pinching down the wall who's a defenseman, so I can't make that pass to my winger because that's doing no good to him or me because I'm going to have to go get the puck in a minute. How about I'm not even looking at it. Let's reverse to my defenseman. Just just a quick heads-up smart play. He makes the right call all the time, and when he's bringing the puck out of his own zone, it's just it's like this. It's just quick. It's decisive. It's smart. He is such an X-factor. Such a game changer because he makes everybody's life easier. Hamilton Holmes is like a great mother. Okay, you forgot to make your bed. You get home, it's done. Oh, you forgot to pack a lunch. Oh, yeah, it's done. You forgot to get your life together. Oh, yeah, your mother reminded you. Didn't read the book. Okay, she, she did your book report. That's just, he's like... The human eraser, he's like, a, he's like a great mother. That, that's my equation for him because he just, he's always there. He's always doing the right thing. And when you have a defenseman that can do that for you, it makes life so simplistic. It makes life so much easier for Carlo, for Orloff, who didn't play all that great last night. You, you have the ability to to play with a little more freedom, to play with a little more sense of just just calm. You, you don't got to fret. You don't have to worry all the time because you have that guy who's back there to, to bail you out. I thought Tyler Bertuzzi was great for the Bruins. He stood out last night. He was all over the puck. A player that's been an X factor for, and I'm going to talk about Boston just for here for a quick second. The best team in the league. They're going to be really tough to beat in the postseason. Many people are picking them to win the cup. They have the potential to get better, and it's unlikely to happen because this player is so aggravating, and that player is Charlie Coyle. No Bergeron last night. Coyle was fantastic. Charlie Coyle, I remember watching Charlie Coyle in St. John playing against my cousin Sawyer. He was a beast. He was a man against boys. He was a machine. He was all over the puck last night. Below the end boards, winning physical battles, passing pucks, out of creating opportunities. I bet you in game two, he's a no-show. He's out there floating around, just plugging holes. Yes, he's in the NHL, but he won't make an impact. He is. He's a guy... That has all the talent, a strength when it comes to physical size, and he never puts it all together on a consistent basis because he doesn't play cons- doesn't play games where he plays the same, plays at that high level. It's one game, 10 out of 10. The next game is a 2.5. Can we find the middle? If he was a seven player throughout the entire postseason as a third-line center for the Bruins, good luck beating them. Bergeron, Krejci, you have him at a high level. Throwing Hathaway on that fourth line roll with no second. Those guys, that's, that's murderer's row. If I'm Florida, I come out and play the same way in game two that I, that I started in game one. 
but I quit the stupidity. The stuff you don't need that's not helping your team, cut it out. The one thing I would say is get pucks more to the middle of the ice. Kachuk scored right in front of the net off a stanchion. Shoot the puck, yes. You got 32 shots last night. Way to go. You won the you won the shot battle. You shot more than the Boston Bruins. You didn't win the game. That's why if you only look at the shot total, it doesn't always tell you the story. Because I do think Florida was better. But in the third period, it really was kind of a wash. Because they, they had nothing in that period when it comes to even remotely scoring on Boston. Boston put the, put the clamps down on them. But if you're going to score goals, get to the middle of the ice. Get pucks to the middle of the ice. Don't shoot from the outside. Get to the middle. Get pucks to the point. Get people in the middle of the ice. Whack pucks towards the front of the net. That will be the difference. Not, okay, well, we got a wrister from uh, 14 feet away. Who cares? That's not beating Linus Allmark. That's not getting past the Bruins' defense. So assess the situation and be proactive at getting to the front of the net. Because we talked earlier, skill is galore. But the dirty goal will never go away. (laughs) The physical play may. The fighting already has. The dirty goal in front of the net, that will never leave. That will never leave. Kopitar scores tying goal, foot away. Pasternak scored right in front of the net last night for the Boston Bruins. Kachuk's goal, foot away from the net. Oddly enough, the two Carolina goals were vastly different from that. But you got to get to that front of the net. That's where you're going to score your goals. That's where the difference is going to come. Not from all these, you know, 20 feet away. That's a difference. That real estate has to be yours. You have to own that. You need to be assertive and get there. Florida has a decision-making net. I mentioned he was good, not great. I would go with Alex Line again. couple reasons. The team won to get to this point with him. He wasn't horrible. He wasn't great last night. If you lose, you make the change on home ice to Bobrovsky. You have the home crowd behind you. You make a goalie change. It's all done in one swift order. I prefer that over the alternative. Sam Bennett also could return in this series for Florida at some point. No news on him today if he could be back as soon as tomorrow night. But maybe this weekend he plays in a game, and that would be a big difference too. Because there likely be no Jamel Smith, so no stupid penalty that could result in losing a game. But we'll see. I'm saving Minnesota, Dallas, and Islanders, Carolina for right now because I I see a parallel in both games. Minnesota and Carolina won both their respective games because they established a game plan and they were able to stick to it. 
They maintain a game plan throughout the entire game and never wavered. They never got off the trolley tracks. They never changed to play the opponent's game. They were able to play their game throughout, and they were benefited for that. Here's my example. I'll start with Carolina. Carolina plays very simplistic. Let's get a lead. Let's protect it. We are as comfortable playing. We're more comfortable playing 2-1 than playing run and gun, trying to score as many goals as we can. They they get two power play goals. Pollock to scores one to make 2-1 in a brutal goal by Antiedrata. But after that, it was just lock it down. Jordan stalls on the ice every shift against Matthew Barzell, Brock Nelson, and uh, Bo Horvat. Every time they're on the ice, Jordan Stahl, Jordan Martinook line, hops over the ice. We're not allowing anything. You want to shoot the puck? Go ahead. It's going to be from the outside. Nothing in front of the net. Nothing dangerous. You get a power play. We're going to eviscerate you. We're going to attack the puck. We have puck pressure. We have help on every play. We are going to give up nothing. And they didn't. The whole game was spent trying to find space. The whole game was, let's get this puck out of danger. Carolina must have iced the puck 15 times last night. And you know why they don't care if they ice the puck? Because anybody on that team can win a faceoff. Jordan saw, I think it was 90% the faceoff dot last night. He's phenomenal. Stastny's a veteran. He can win a draw. It was so simplistic. They know what they're doing. And they just said, okay, sure. We'll ice the puck again and again and again. Kakaniemi, Jordan Stahl, all these guys can win draws. And they did. But they were so impressive because they refused to deviate from their game plan. You can have a game plan going in and you can look at your team and say, we can only win if we do it this way. But too often that team will, you lose it throughout the game. You start playing like the opposite team wants you to. Or they get you involved in penalty trouble. Or you, your game changes over time. That never happened for Carolina. They stuck to what they wanted to. And that's what happened. They kept playing that way. Nothing changed. Nothing deviated. And before you know it, the game's over, and Carolina's given up 25 shots. Sorokin had to make some big saves for the Islanders, and Carolina has a 1-0 series lead. Carolina's boring. Carolina is never going to win an award for, for appeal when it comes to watching a hockey game. But they know very well who their opponent is. They know they're playing the New York Islanders who are boring, even more boring than the Carolina, than Carolina, who have less scoring options than Carolina in a sense. They are more limited offensively than us. Their offensive system was built in the 1900s. So if we just defend and this team doesn't play north-south, they just... They're trying to get through. We bottle them up. They can't get through. They're going to get frustrated. 
we can win every game of this series two to one, we'll take it. That's what Carolina's objective is going to be. Is how can we can we just play this boring, simple style and try to win games two to one? The Islanders would love to do the same thing. On the opposite side. And that's the interesting chess match in this series. Who can play their respective game the best? The Islanders don't score goals. They're bottom five in goals scored this season, entire NHL. Ilya Sorokin's a stud between the pipes. But you don't you don't score enough. You don't do enough to, to change the game. So with all that being said, how do the Islanders deviate? How do the Islanders change? I don't think they can in that big of a sense. But you're likely not going to win if your best line is Zach Parise, Hudson Fashing, and J.G. Paja, which it was last night. Lane Lambert, you're on the road. I get it. It's tough. Teams don't use the last change. Dallas doesn't use the last change. Peter DeBoer does not care what line is on the ice against the opposing team's players. I'm fine with that. Not every coach has to be so specific, but for the Islanders to win, get Barzell, get Horvat on the ice on a shift where, where Jordan Stahl isn't out, isn't out there. Happened late in the third period. There was a they got a power play on it. Unfortunately, the Islanders' power play is like being on a penalty kill. It's that fucking bad. But that's the, you got to find ways to approach the game differently. To get out, don't let a team keep their game plan the entire time, or you're screwed. Simple as that. Let's now pivot to the international man of mystery, joining us here with a a beautiful. I don't know what to call it. Is that a, a sweater? Is it, is it a half sweater, Seamus? What, what would you call that get up? Just a quarter zip. Okay. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that's what they were called. I was suited up to the brim, and I have a house guest here, a.k.a. Oliver, a.k.a. Kennedy's cat. Just a little friendly today. Rubbing up against me, I didn't like it, so I was going full suit for this podcast. You would have liked it a lot. I was, I was looking rather dapper today, not to put wow. myself on the spot, but I was looking pretty good. But yeah, could not go through with that after the rubbing and the cat hair and all of that. Um, but yeah, how, how are things? What's that? Ty. Ty. Yep. Wow. Ty today. It's wow. a big day. It's 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 a big day for me. Um, as I uh, enter uh, another hurting period, or maybe so, <laughs> we'll see. Nerves one to ten, starting tonight regarding your Maple Leafs. Oh, I you know I put I put a funny post on Instagram, but I, uh, I I my nerves are always ten coming into the playoffs. Doesn't matter who we're facing anymore. It's just that anxious feeling of trying just trying to get there, just just trying to get past that one little step that we can't seem to get past. So. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter if it's against Tampa Bay. It doesn't matter if it's against a shitty Montreal team or a play-in against Columbus. It's uh, it's always it's always pretty high because uh, the stakes are high and you rely on your best players to play well, and more often than not, they do not show up. Does it concern you or make you more 
Does it concern you make you more optimistic that most pundits are picking the Maple Leafs to win the series? Um, I mean, there's a, a certain level of, I guess, reassurance. But, I mean, everyone picked the Maple Leafs to beat Columbus. Everyone picked the Maple Leafs to beat Montreal, right? So, I mean, how do you... <laughs> I'm sure at some point some some teams would have some people some people would have said, "Oh yeah, Toronto was going to win last year." Me and you sat here last year and said the same thing. We both thought Toronto was going to get passed. Yeah, and it was a good series. It was probably one of the better series of the playoffs, but they didn't get passed. So, it, no matter how much reassurance the internet trolls and the analysts and the Mike Johnsons of the world give me, <laughs> there's there's never there's never a full reassurance that we're just going to step over the uh, two-time Stanley Cup winning champions. Do you have the least winning? We'll get to that a little later. Yeah, okay. I don't want to spoil that for people listening. Or you know, I I'd like to make that one of our last okay uh, last highlights slash one of our last things we maybe skip over after we review the series and the games. But it, it already sounds like you were dissecting uh, a very well. I don't want to say snooze fest, but a very tight <laughs> game between the Islanders and Carolina. What was your biggest takeaway of Game One of that series? My biggest takeaway was. Just, I mean, Carolina's ability to defend is uh, out of this world. But also, mm. I mean, the power play for the Islanders is uh, borderline offensive to, you know, goal, goal scorers. But yeah. I, I think it's on the coaching staff for the Islanders to get Barzell, Horvat in situations where they're not in the ice with Jordan Stahl, quite frankly. Jordan Stahl was a, a menace. Uh, the dude's mm. still a really good hockey player. He's a UFA this summer. He'll likely only play for Carolina. But he can keep playing because he knows what he does so well. Yeah. And I just think Carolina, everybody on that team can win faceoffs. Every one of their centers is good at winning draws. So they, they, I, I, I think they iced the puck 15 times last night. felt like that anyway. And they just – I think you got to do more to get pucks to the middle of the ice. The one goal they scored was the flukiest goal you ever. It's the ugliest goal of the night last night. So you you need to, they they need to find ways to get pucks to the middle of the ice, or they're not going to win the series. Quite frankly. Yeah, to to requote Lou Amarillo, it's it's too long and it's too much money. Oh, poor Herbat. I I don't know. I don't know. He's like this is kind of where he needs to make his bread and butter and make that contract worth it, in my opinion. Just because, uh, I mean, you had 35, 40 goals this season, and you really need to step up and play play that kind of level coming into the second season as well, especially on a team that really really needs you. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, there was some good defense all around. I thought Sorokin was really good. I mean, there oh, was you had two power play goals, but. Um, and anytime else, if there was a, if there was a close chance, I mean, he was shutting the door, right? So he's a, he's a game changer. Is, am I, am I wrong? Is Fred, Franny Anderson just not playing? Is that why they went with anti-Rana? Yeah. He was just the backup last night. He was on the bench sitting there with ball cap, but yeah, Brendan Moore trusted anti-Rana more and I can't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. I guess with his history and, and everything it is just strange right like he, he plays all a regular season when he's available and then the minute he gets the postseason he's just yanked uh, i i don't know i kind of feel bad for him because it's almost a laughing he's kind of like the laughing joke right like the guy who right. can't play in the playoffs but uh yeah which game did you enjoy the most last night obviously it was not uh, this game <laughs> yeah no it, it wasn't this game i did have it on uh don't 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 get me wrong i wanted to watch it 
Um, I think if you, if anyone picks, doesn't pick Minnesota and Dallas, I think you're crazy. I mean, that's, I, I can see why people love the Dallas or they, sorry, the LA and the Edmonton game. That was a lot of fun where, you know, you got Edmonton or LA coming back late winning mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, we can dissect that series and what I think of what's going to happen, what's going to happen there, you know, maybe why the Oilers flunked, I guess, in their first matchup with their opponents, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much to talk about in this Minnesota and Dallas series. I just think it's so entertaining. I think both sides already hate each other, which I yeah. love to see. Like they just, they just know um, that it's just going to be a brawl throughout. I think the Dumba hit. There's a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. I think the goaltender situation is incredible. How both goaltenders had like 50 shots, and I mean, yeah. it was only a three-two game, which is amazing to see um yeah it's just gonna be a violent series where you know you're gonna get to a lot of scrums and a lot of people on paper would think minnesota be the tougher bigger and the team that's gonna throw more hits but dallas i think showcased last night that they can match that intensity and they can match that um ability to play like a playoff team i mean you you see rupe hints out there he is chucking body mm-hmm. you got jamie ben who's not afraid to throw his weight around clearly Domi, so all, all types of kind of players in, on that Dallas team that were really, really going to be uh, major factors. And like uh, like I put in my series, I have them winning in seven games. So we'll see if that happens after a, a sneaky win last night by the Wild. What did you make of the Dumba hit? I thought it wasn't it wasn't a, a dirty hit by any means. It wasn't something that I, I thought Dallas fans should be waiting out the hotel room with pitchforks and, you know, fire for um did he did he make a little head contact maybe but the on initial look and i looked at it and i watched it a lot of times because i wanted to be have an educated opinion on it some people mm-hmm. will look at it once and throw their phone up and say get him out of the league you know he's a dirty player i uh, to me it looks shoulder to shoulder that's that's all i'm gonna say i get it his head there ended up going high there was a little contact but the initial hit looked clean to me what, what are your thoughts on it have you already talked about it no, the only thing I didn't like about it is that he kind of left his feet to do it. He, he did leave his feet. He does that from time to time too. Yeah, that's the only thing. But I agree with you. It was—I don't even think he made head contact. I agree. It was just unfortunate for Joe that he landed. It was an ugly way he landed. I mean, that was a scary end, end he, of the play. Yeah, he didn't look prepared for the hit. No, not at uh, all. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why. If it was the corner of his eye, if he didn't see him coming. But he didn't look at all like, uh, you know, it's one thing, too, if he's coming from him behind him and, sh- you know, clearing the back of his shoulder. But mm-hmm. it really just looked like he was from the side of him. And, you know, maybe Joe was focused on the play in front of him, wanted to see where his pass had went. I'm not sure. But, you know, that that's going to be talked about for a long time. And you, you can't tell me that both teams don't get fired up after a hit like that, right? Well, yeah, because Domi jumped in. He hit – do the yes. dump up with five times in the head, just p- pounding them, mm-hmm. and, you know, vintage Marky Mark. Uh, and just, I, I liked, I liked that game too. It, I credit Minnesota cause it was two overtimes and I felt the game was always played the way they wanted to. They gave up more shots, but I, I, I never felt like anything was that scary. Mm-hmm. Two goals in the power play, same as the Carolina game. Dallas needs to do more five on five to score goals, to get pucks to the middle of the net. Philip Gustafson, my guy, obviously fantastic. No no surprise here. I mean, I keep Fleury on that bench, keep him, make him the third stringer for all I care. He's keep him, keep him elsewhere from the ice. But I 
I find it funny, of course, you get through all these games, and it's always a weird guy that scores the OT winner. Ryan Hartman gets the mm-hmm. overtime winner in double overtime. And my biggest complaint was it's a marathon, not a sprint. And they start me off with a double overtime game on the first damn night. And, you know, like no sleep. So that was that was my Yeah, how, how how's your body and mind feeling today after two, two <sighs> late games? I'm planning after the pod maybe to get a little nap wow, before the okay. game starts tonight because yeah I was that it's game was over. Go ahead. That game was over after like two a.m. Oh. and I was up at like three three thirty this morning, so that was uh, yeah rough. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't envy you, my friend. Um, I know, and I can't chirp you about getting up early either because I know that's hardwired into your brain at this point that you have yeah that was just my body that was my body clock i would have liked to sleep this morning like get up so i was like okay yeah so you're you're running on fumes so i appreciate you uh doing the dissect yeah well i mean it's funny you mentioned hartman too because billy garrett at one point i think called out hartman and maybe a few other players this season for not giving the contributions that they had in the past so you know it's funny even uh Everson made him a healthy scratch two or three different times this year. Right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah. this is a guy that lights a fire under his ass. Maybe this is kind of the spark he needed. And yeah, I, I mean, just a great game. I love, and you look at the comparison, what, you know, what's the difference between both teams in this? You tell, I talked about the power play. It's also depth scoring. You know, mm-hmm. Sam Steele, who's kind of a journeyman. He's been, he's a young guy, but he's still trying to find his way through the league. He has a goal and assist for Minnesota and ends up being kind of the deciding factor where, you look at depth for Dallas and no one really provided that. It was all the big wigs. It was the Robertons. It was the Hints, the Pavelskis, the, the Hiskinens. They are the ones carrying the weight. So, you know, if you're going to go deep in this, you need to have guys on your third and fourth lines who are going to be able to contribute, even if it's a little bit. And that's, I think, the deciding factor in game one for that series. Oilers collapse or officiating blunders? Ah, what did they take like six penalties? They took well at one point they called like five straight on the Oilers because oh. it was they called because they had a five on three in the first period the Oilers okay. and they scored on it, and then there was five straight they called on the Oilers. Yeah, I and, and I I didn't stay up for the that game. That's the only game I haven't seen any footage of that wasn't you know through replays. I watched the entire replays today. Mm-hmm. I so I can't comment on how bad the officiating was, but. To a certain extent, you do got to kind of play through that. And, you know, it's kind of tough when 97 is left off the scoreboard entirely for, for a game like that. So I don't know. Do you think that's credit on L.A. shutting him down slash Corpusello playing well? Or do you think that's the the big guy not stepping up to when it matters? Yeah, I, I said earlier I give his game about a B plus or a B minus. Sorry. Um, I thought Doughty was fantastic. He's getting yeah. older. He's still he's still so good. Very played, very valuable. Yep. Played twenty seven minutes last night. Five more minutes of the next closest defenseman on, on the team. So he's out there every second shift, basically in overtime. And Doty said he was going to get in his face, and he did. You know, he kind of stood up stood up to him a few times. McDavid made a few passes where he was trying to force things, and I'm just like, a little more simplicity would have been good. I think he's going to game two. I'd look out. Look out early for yeah. L. I think this guy is going to be like Godzilla, and he's going to be coming over, you know, attacking the Chinese. You know, it's it's going to be <laughs> like that. That's okay. what happened. That's what happened last year. Right. Yeah. In game two. Good. Good so 
but I I think it's a good series. I understand why people would pick L.A. I think Edmonton's better, but I think it's a six or seven game series regardless because I think L.A. knows how to play against Edmonton. They proved that last year, and both these teams know each other so well. Yeah. Um, tough night for Stuart Skinner or just a good performance by the Kings? No. I, I thought it was a tough night too. I thought both Kempe goals you have to save. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's a soft backhand that you really, really, really got to just be, be better prepared. Like he looked like he wasn't prepared in that when that came at him. Yeah, because through the first 40 minutes, he faced very little because I thought the yeah. team defense was pretty superb. And then two I agree. softies and then the Kopitar goal, that's tough luck. But, it, I mean, it doesn't come down to that if you make a one of those two saves earlier. Yeah, yeah, I really hope that was – that was a bad game for him, and then he picks it up and rolls over that because obviously right now it's looking like Corpusello is the, the goaltender for the series, which he needs to be, obviously. I mean, anytime Edmonton's on the power play, let's yeah. be honest, they have got a great chance of scoring. They, I think they got uh, four chances last night maybe, four, yeah. three or four chances maybe. And, I mean, you, you've seen it. Dreisaitl, amazing, great, you know, a great game where he just kind of turns on the Jets. Um. Yeah, uh, there's that clip of uh, Mc, I want to get this to your opinion while we're still talking about Edmonton. There's a clip mm -hmm. of McDavid kind of shying away from the corner, and he's getting a lot of harsh criticism online. Do you think that's warranted, or do you think that's you know that's just one clip Kim, that's it just happened to surfaces? I think both things can be true. I think people like to kill McDavid because there's a lot of Crosby supporters out there. And they get really, right. they get really, really uptight about McDavid, and I get that somewhat, but not really. They're both Canadian players. You think you'd support them both? But anyway, I, I think it's a soft play. I don't think it's a Nylander soft play. Uh, right. You know, from, from last year where Eddie Olchak basically said, "Put him in the rafters and don't let me see him again." Mm -hmm. But it, it was soft. Certainly, he should have, he should have handled it differently. I think that's on him to kind of respond in the next game and do it differently for his teammates more than, you know, appeasing me, you, and Dupree. Yeah, yeah. That and I, I guess just the, the the one where he's on a two-on-one and he looks for dry saddle with the pass. Yeah, that was a bad you, play. You yeah. shot, you've shot the puck so well all year. Yeah. You've got, you know, you've got 65 goals. Shoot the puck. You know, you have the capabilities to surprise a goaltender with a, a quick one through the legs or, you know, pass the blocker. Yep. You just got to shoot it. So he's, he's just got to get back to his game that he played all year, which was so dominant, especially in the last 20 games of the season. If you're Florida, do you take away from game one that you are the better team so you can be the better team again? Or are you deflated that you lost when you were the better team last night? Oh no, yeah, no, you got to. You got to. You got to say that we were right there with the best team in the league. I think if that's your mindset, if you if you want to win. Yeah. I thought through 40 minutes, they were the better team. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, some tough goal. That the Marsh angle, that's tough. Uh, like you know, yeah, you hate tough. to see that line. He's a he's a good goaltender. Uh, this is a big break for him, and I thought he played particularly well in the first period. Yeah. Just a tough second period where he lets in a couple squeakers. That's you know that's that's his only issue, right? And other than that, you know, like you said, that they need some offense from some guys, but it was chippy. You know, Ekblad yeah. I thought was getting into it with a lot of different players, yeah. including Bertuzzi. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and Boston, they're going to do their thing. They're going to get under your skin. They're going to be annoying, but yeah, you, you just got to play that style. And 
I, I don't know the Mac. Like, what, what's your thoughts on the McAvoy penalty? The one where he cross cross checks Listerinen, and it's a really like you know Listerinen looks like he went down a little soft. If, oh I yeah, I, I didn't think I didn't think it was a penalty. No. Yeah. I, yeah. No. No. But th there were some weird calls in in that game. The whole I found throughout the entire game, like they called. Uh, they call one for Ekblad for tripping in the first period on Pasternak. That was not a trip. Uh, I didn't find that was a tripping penalty. There was that one, the McAvoy cross check. There was another one in the third. There was a few weird calls, but right. I, I would be optimistic if I'm Florida. And I said this earlier, Shay, I'll get your opinion. I would start lying in game two because I don't think he was the reason you lost. He wasn't great, but he only scored one goal. You got to score mm -hmm. more than one goal to win a game. If you don't win, you always can go to Bob. Game three, you're on home ice. That's just the way I'd approach the series. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, Lyon, he's played so well at the end of the season. I have no reason to believe that that loss is entirely on him. Like you said, they they needed to be better at points. And yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll go with him. Did you do we, do you want to do you want to display or? enable our bet to to everybody or do you want to leave that off no i mentioned it uh so the bet between me and seamus is he texted in our little group chat yesterday that he had the bruins sweeping the panthers and i disagreed and i said i'll bet you 100 bucks that florida will win a game at least one in this series and i gave him six to one odds on the hundred dollar bet so We'll see, but that's that's where we stand. You get your one win closer, but I only need one win. I I, I was nervous with no Patrice, you know, the illness <laughs> things coming out. I cannot lie to anybody and say that I didn't think that some something bad was going to happen, but I was glad. Like you said, I thought Florida did play actually pretty well. Yeah. But obviously, uh, just, you know, some mismanagement on the offensive side for Florida. And It'll be good. It'll be a nice, you know, it'll be a nice little series every time they play. You know, we'll be thinking about it. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a little richer after the series, but we'll see. Other than the Leaf game tonight, which game tickles your fancy the most? I, I'd i have to say, so I, I'm to, the other Western Conference, so other than Ab, Abs and it would be, oh, Winnipeg and yeah, Vegas. Yeah. I cannot lie. I'm pretty excited for New Jersey and New York. I, mm -hmm. I don't know why. It just it has some old school ramifications going on where you've got some heavy hitters like Kane. I think this the Hughes brother, that's going to be an interesting playoff thing throughout. And, you know, if that, did you see the comments with Luke Hughes when he got told he was going to be in the lineup? And, he you know, he's NHL ready. Like he, he yeah. Yeah. seems like a guy whose demeanor is like, OK, I'm ready for this league. I'm ready to make an impact on this team. So um, good, good for him. So that's, yeah, that's just a lot going on in that series that I really like. And, you know, I, I, I haven't, I have it at seven games and I have New York in seven games, which makes me not so confident that uh, they're going to be able to pull this off quickly. Yeah. I think it's going to be close. My devils are tough. Mm. They're, they're so fast. That's the thing about them. They're so fast. They play well defensively, despite the fact that they're small. Mm. Palat's a good add this time of year. It could be important for them. Meyer could be an X factor. My biggest thing with the Rangers, I picked them before. I hate the trio together of Kane, Tarasenko, and Panarin because I worry about them being so lazy defensively that it could right. ultimately kill them. 
could bite them. They're they're going to need Igor to play top notch to get them through some bad non back checking going on by yeah. that by that unit. Ter- yeah. The Tarasenko, I think it is it Tarasenko Panarin Trocheck. That's the line. Yeah. Think about how much defensive play Trocheck is going to have to make up for with those <laughs> with those guys. two guys. Yeah. He is going to be running around, gassed on the bench. You know, get gets his electrolytes in. It's it's going to be good. You know, I th- I think both these teams made moves. That's why they're there. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll say this now: whatever team wins this series is probably going to be in the conference final. I agree. I, I yeah. agree with that. I agree with that. that. With Carolina, with Carolina losing Pacioretty and Shvetchnikov this year, I think they're just going to have a tough time trying to to take down either one of these teams with uh, with the battle. But who knows? It could go. It could go early, late. Some guys could drop off. Some guys could get hurt. We'll mm-hmm. see. Fun fact, these two teams have met seven times in the playoffs in their history. Marty Brodeur was the goalie in all seven. Really? Yeah. I did not I did not know that. So it's re- it really is some 90s kind of hockey. Yeah. And and uh, last time was 2012. Obviously that's the last time New Jersey got to the Stanley Cup final. So Yeah. Interesting. I hope is it, you think he'll be there? Yeah, he still works for the team. So he'll probably be in a suit uh at Madison Square Garden tonight watching the game with uh, Tommy Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, it should be that'd be that'd be nice. They should give them a little tribute, hopefully. Probably boo them. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, yeah. Sorry, it's in New York. No, it'd be New no, Jersey. it's in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they get back to the garden, they'll boo them. Sorry, night. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, that will be. Um, I'll go to some basketball quick, then we'll come back to your Leafs at the end. Sure. Yeah, I love it. Sacramento. First team to have a two nothing series lead on the Warriors in the history of this, the dynastic Warriors. I yeah, dynastic, crazy. Well, pretty dynastic. I mean, it's four titles. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought that the Kings could be the team to kill the dynasty, and your sad sack Celtics couldn't do it last year? Yes, yeah, way to get that dig in. Um, <laughs> but we're not going to take away from the beam and lighting the beam. Light Great, you know, they, they did exactly what they did. They needed to. They didn't shoot the three very well last night. It was below no. 25%. Um, nothing was perfect, but you know what? Golden State's defense is just rotten. I'm, I'm sorry. They're, they're, their defense is shot. They cannot defend. And when you make a bonehead play, I, I've said this before, I dis, I hardly dislike Draymond Green. I now hate Draymond Green. <laughs> that was the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in a playoff game out of any sport. Um, I I just have no respect for anyone who wants to be dirty and you know just just cause somebody harm. You know what I There's mean? There's no like, need for it. Like just walk away. Absolutely not. No, no. And it, oh, I have to stop. I have to step somewhere. Like what? you blatantly stomped on his body. Like it, like we all saw it. Like, what do you think you were going to like act like you had to step? Like, anyways, it's frustrating. And you know, he's a donkey. I I never really enjoyed him. I don't enjoy his takes. And you know, there's aspects about him that maybe do like where he sticks up for the league and sticks up for players. But this was just a a bonehead play that really you couldn't almost contribute to a loss uh, for the game that late. Do you think he's suspended for game three? I think so. I think so too. Just based on his history, I think they yeah. have to. Yeah. I mean, 
he's got a bad history. Like, he, <laughs> like I think he's been the. He, he, correct me if I'm wrong. He, he's the guy who was bad for kicking guys in the NAS, or would maybe I'm thinking uh, about somebody else. He got suspended else. for kicking LeBron in the nuts in the finals in 2016. Yeah. So, like, what, like, what are you getting? What are you accomplishing when you do these things? You know what I mean? Like, you're hurting your team. You're one of, unfortunately, you're one of the better players on the team, but you are still hurting them. So why, you know, you just taking yourself out of that game, you're taking yourself into the next game. And this isn't a team with any good big men. I'm sorry. Like, no, I, I've been very surprisingly satisfied with Wiggins. I thought he played two decent games. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's out of place or tired or out of shape at all. I thought he played really, Not at particularly all. really well in game one. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he dropped more than 20 points last night, which is no. fine for a guy who has not been playing a lot this season. He's going to have to have a big game if they want to come back in the series. Curry's already been playing great. You know, yeah. he's not like he's been playing bad. He just has to carry the load, which unfortunately has been a lot. And uh, like I said, defensively, there's just not like they can't do anything. And the Kings are just such a great offensive team, top to bottom. Um, even with um, their young guy uh, Murray, Keegan Murray, is that his Keegan name? Murray. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't have a great second game, but you know their bench comes up and plays clutch again. Yeah, Davion Mitchell drops fourteen. Malik Monk has fifty points in two games off the bench, which is just incredible. And yeah. and that crowd is unreal. It, it's yeah. crazy how loud it is in there. Uh, there, no, it's it's fun to see. Does does Sacramento win the series now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would have pegged them winning the series before, but yeah, yeah I think now I think now you kind of locked in the two games. I think Golden State will probably win a game, but I can't see them winning four and four now by by right. means. Is Memphis done? I think it's gonna be two. Yeah, I don't. Is Ja Ja was is he unruled for game? It's a game time decision for tomorrow night. I I don't know. They, I, don't, they, I don't. He didn't have a great game before he got injured. Yeah. I don't know. I I can't count. I just don't want to count them out yet. I I don't I don't think I can. But LA does look good. They're a, they're a yeah. strong team. They're a strong unit. Reeves looks good. LeBron he's doing his thing. A lot of experience and a lot, a lot of good shooters on that team. That was the biggest thing they were missing all season was shooters, and now it feels like they have an abundance. And, and of Davis them. is just on, on another level. Yeah, who would have thought he like two, two years ago if you said Anthony Davis is back to you know prime Anthony Davis, you, we would I would have laughed right in your face. Yeah, because the, the injury problems, street clothes, and now he's kind of just back to a, a full fledged superstar. Yeah, no, he's playing incredible. What does Memphis got to do to get back in the series? Do they, you know, is that one particular guy they got to shut down? Does someone have to step up offensively? The problem is because, like, Jaron Jackson Jr. was great in game one. It was one of the yeah. best games I've ever seen him play. But the Lakers blocked 11 shots in, mm -hmm. in game one. Their defense was so good. They don't have another big with Clark and Adams out to take Davis, so he has to kind of do it all. Tillman's playing minutes, not exactly not ideal. No, they Dylan Brooks couldn't hit the backside of a barn door, and he's trying to guard LeBron, and he didn't even have to because LeBron LeBron took one shot in the fourth quarter, and they finished on like a twenty to two run. I mean, it was just a complete rout. Mm -hmm. 
I, I would think the biggest X factor for me, Shay, is if Jaw's healthy and if Desmond Bain can knock down shots because his shot wasn't going in game one. He's yeah. like a 40% three-point shooter. So if he's making his shots, he keeps them in the game. Kind of, Yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like the uh, the Miami-Milwaukee series where Milwaukee played their worst game of the year, you know, yep. and Miami played their best game of the year. And that was kind of similar to what happened with Memphis and uh, with L.A. But, yeah, all, all kinds going on in the in the Western Conference. I love, and I'm loving it. I watched a lot of that Clippers and Suns game too. That was that was fascinating. Mid range, mid range, yes, yeah. mid range series. Yeah. yeah, no one, no one's taking no one, but maybe Paul, Chris Paul is taking three pointers in that series. <laughs> I've never seen a game where somebody played so bad but yet so good at the same time, and that was Russell Westbrook. Because I thought he played phenomenal, but also played horrible. Because he was three for nineteen shooting. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw a good post about you know it's it's a guy talking to a brick wall, and it's like trying to explain to Russ fans that like he actually didn't play very well. Right. But to them, he's like, no, he played. That was the best game he's ever played. You know what <laughs> I mean? So it, that that the block at the end of the game will sort of, sort of just like give him some props. And the sure. offensive rebound too late in the game. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he just he plays on. hard. Yeah, yeah, he he's passionate. He plays hard. Maybe you know, with uh, without Paul George, maybe this is kind of the fire that they needed. This kind of guy who's gonna be chirpy. He's gonna get into mm-hmm. it. See him get into it with the fan after the game. Yeah, like he. I'm sorry, but he is he is just a loose cannon sometimes, in the, yeah. in the best way possible. Your Celtics gonna sweep the Hawks. I don't – I mean, I – anyone can have a bad game. They had a really, really good game one, but that's not them all the time, I don't think. And, you know, and to the other half of that, I think the Hawks played really, really poorly. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's why it didn't look so good. But that doesn't mean that the Celtics are going to play like that throughout the series. Do I think that they have a chance of sweeping them? I'd be 70% sure that they could sweep them, yes. Yeah. Trey Young's got limited games left in Atlanta, you think? You think he's somewhere else starting next year? So you, are you asking me they're going to blow up the team, or are you just asking me if Trey Young is going to be exited from the equation? Trey Young gone. Trey, just Trey Young? Yeah, because Quinn Snyder's taking over, new coach. Maybe you just want to get rid of him. You keep DeJounte Murray and see what you can do. You maybe trade other pieces, but it doesn't seem – it seems like Trey Young already hates him. He's been coached there for a month. Yeah, yeah. I, I I even said when they fired their last head coach, it was it was not the head coach's fault. It's no. the, you know, it's clearly on the team and what they've been able to produce and what kind of season they've had. Yeah, I I could see maybe a, a switch up coming. Imagine they trade Luca for Trey. Both guys want a, a new spot. They do it again. <laughs> oh, Mark Cuban. Good luck to you, my friend. If, if, yeah, he, if he does that, <laughs> good luck. Jaron Jackson won Defensive Player of the Year today. I that that. Was, wasn't happy with that. No, me either. Should have been. Mobley, the Knicks, game one win on the road, game two tonight, I believe. Yeah, game yep. two tonight. How crazy is going to be game three if they're up 2-0 at the Garden? Oh, <laughs> I uh, I think we'll get pretty nuts. I think New York fans have waited a long time for something to happen. Mm-hmm. I I almost put a personal guarantee tonight that Cleveland will certify right. a win. Yeah. yeah, I feel like some things, some bad things happened. 
but I think the defense will tighten up and I think some players got it. They'll play a little bit better than they did. It's funny because RJ Barrett played terrible, terrible game. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. You know, Thibodeau was just laser beams back of the head. (laughs) And yeah, he does hate him. I think so too. And you know, somehow they found a way to win. Josh Hart played unbelievable. Like Mm -hmm. is is this guy, this guy's got to get a starting job somewhere because he's too good to be on the bench. It's almost as if he's an actor that's typecasted and they're, they just will only keep him on the bench. They're like, we know how good you are off the bench. We're unwilling to give you, you know, the uh, starting role. Starting role. You have to be the supporting actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like 30 nominees for support, best supporting actor. Right. right. Yeah. He's Michael Caine. You know, he can't be Batman, but he can be Alfred. Yeah. 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 That, that's Josh Hart. <laughs> What a stud. Yeah, no, great, great game. I look forward. That's a that was a tight game. There were some non-tight games, but that was a really, a really yeah. good back and forth battle, especially in the, the second half where you've got Donovan Mitchell and J, uh, Jalen Brunson just trading blows yeah. back and forth. Like that's that's fun basketball, and that's uh that's what makes you know these these series so good. So pivoting back to your leafs to come full okay. circle. Yeah. Game one tonight in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'll start off with this. Do they win tonight? I think much like I think much like last year, I think they grabbed the dub, the first dub. Yes. I think right. tonight's a win. Okay. I think it's a juicy game, gets Leafs fans a little pumped up, and ultimately a little too pumped up. Do you have them winning the series? I do not have them winning the what? series. What? No. no. <laughs> You have no call belief pessim- in your team. Call, call call me pessimistic. I've been hurt too many times. I'm like the I'm like the girl that keeps opening my heart to bad guys. And call me pessimistic. I think they lose in seven games. I think it's I think it's a repeat of last year. Honest to God. Okay, what's the biggest reason why they don't win? Based off what where you see this going, why they lose? What's the okay, biggest reason? I've I have two things. Okay, fair enough. One, I just think that when you look at the goaltending matchup, I don't have a ton of faith in Samsonov. Not that I don't think he had a great year, which I do think he did. I think he's a proven number one goaltender at this point. Mm-hmm. I just trust Vasilevsky a little bit better. I think that for him to get it dialed in and to get into his mindset to to do what he did last year, and we'll, you know he loses a game and then he comes right back and plays and he and he does a pretty decent job. That's what I think will happen. I also think that Tampa Bay just has like a little bit more of an it factor. And, you know, they were off all season, but I I have a feeling that somewhere it's going to start clicking during this series and they're going to get back to it and they could potentially give the Bruins a hard time in the second series. Wow. But other than that, I, I don't think – like I don't think Nylander – I don't think any of the bad – like the big boys for the Leafs are going to play poorly – Besides Morgan Riley, who will definitely cough up cold. Did you see that he's on the third pairing tonight? Yeah, with Luke Shen. Yeah. Were you it, not? Were you surprised that Lilligren's not playing? I know I'm getting off topic, but um, not really, because I figured they'd play Shen. Yeah. And I knew, I knew, I know you're not a big fan of Hall, but I knew he'd be in, and I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you got to start him at least and see what happens and adjust as it as it goes. Would you be surprised at all if Morgan Riley was scratched at this series? Yes, you would be surprised. I bet my I bet my life that he won't yeah. be. 
you know, paid too much money. I just sometimes I watch him play. I'm like, God. Yeah, he's he's, he's he hasn't been frustrating. Good. Yeah, he's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So so we'll see. But yeah, I, I have no problem with them keeping Shannon. You see that little hatred, the fight with him and Maroon, mm-hmm. kind of respark that. But yeah, I'm I'm saying it here first. I have the I have them unfortunately not getting past the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. And it'll be another heartache, but I'm prepared for it mentally. I feel like you're almost saying this because you're you just you're prepared to be sad and you'll be happy if they win. Like you don't want to you just you're hedging. No, no, and in, in all honesty, it's just I I've watched too many Tampa Bay games and too many playoff games where Braided point just breaks, you know, yeah. he's just uh-huh. able to break up the best defenses in the league time and time after again. I think that their top dogs are all still there. You know, the only guy out of the equation now is Ryan McDonough. And I, I heard your breakdown on Sunday when you broke down the mm-hmm. series, and you're, you're absolutely right. He is the key guy that was defensive defenseman, came in clutch so many times for them when it came to PKs and to you know, keeping up the what's going on five and five in front of Vassy. Right. But the, to me, you know, the, the structure of, of a great team is still in place. I think Breezebuds did a great job. I, I disagree with the Janot trade, just where you gave up, I thought, a little too much for a player that's not going to be as that impacted. But, you know, he came out and said, it. he said, you know, those picks and those future players don't mean nothing for me right now. I'm here to win now. So I, I give him all the props for putting his nuts on the table and saying, you know, this is what it is. Matthews over under four goals for the series. What are you, where are you taking over? I take the over. And they still lose. And they still lose. Yep. Wow. That's, that's how confident I am. That's, you know, the, the only, the, the only way they dismantle a team like this is through their internal things. You know, you see Kucherov, He's sticking the leg out, taking dumb penalties, being a, a dumbass, mm-hmm. which he tends to do from time to time. Maybe Killorn, who had a you, – you said a terrible, terrible playoffs last year. Yeah. Just no production what, from, what, from whatsoever. They don't have Palat, so there's nothing coming from him. I, I don't know. It's going to be a back-and-forth series. I think they're going to trade blows. I, I don't think it's as close – or, sorry, as far apart as people have been talking about. And I don't feel like enough people have put respect on a, a great team that has been to the Stanley Cup three years in a row. There is wear and tear, but it doesn't mean that they, they can't pull it together for one more dance. This could be the last run. Who knows? Very well could be because every year you get older and you get a little more wear and tear on the uh, on the tires. Well, I mean this sincerely. Good luck. I know it's – Painful experience this time of year to watch games, but I will say every other night you get the Celtics and they're playing the Hawks. You get that for a week and a half. That's that's stress free. That's yeah. that's yeah, that's fun. They time. both play tonight actually, which is kind of fun because I'll be able to watch. I'll, I'll watch the Hawks and Celtics, and then I can you know pivot to the Leafs and see right. how that goes. Piss you off, you can flip over to watch uh to <laughs> watch the watch the Celtics rain threes on a little little ice tray. Yeah, but what's your What's your most, uh, uh, I guess, what's your favorite series so far or slash most looking forward to out of all out of all of them? Yeah, I'm with you at the Rangers series. I, I love I love that one. The most interesting one that I, I picked the series and I really don't know where it's going to go is the Vegas one. I picked Winnipeg, but I find that series so interesting. I think Laurent Brassois is starting tonight for Vegas, and uh, yet somehow they win. 
They were so yeah. great this year. They're second most points in the NHL. I mean, they were phenomenal. That series can go either way. I think it'll go seven. For so, I, I, I don't know who's going to win that, but I find that so interesting because I literally have no clue how the pace is going to be, how each team's going to try to match one another. So I, I find that series really interesting, and I'm looking forward to watching that one uh, later tonight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll it'll be good. They're both actually fairly deep teams, so I, I, I'm interested to see who can kind of pull off and who gets the edge in that and what teams, you know, third and fourth lines really provide mm-hmm. what is, what is going to be some needed offense. Well, that's one thing. Vegas has better depth than Winnipeg does. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, with Wah and Amadios, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do ha- they do have that under their belts. I give you that. The Barbashev ad, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's all going to come into factor, and, I, and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad we get to see that series too. Well, always a pleasure. Good luck. Uh, have fun watching the series, and we'll talk to you a week from today. Awesome. Good luck, and have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll be here from me. Probably tears. Take care. Talk to you next Take week. Take care. There's Seamus Fillmore. Always great to chat with him. Halfway through the interview, we got Dirk joined us. If you're watching on the video, she's up here with me. Four games tonight. Lease Lightning, Rangers, Devils, Winnipeg, Vegas, Seattle, Colorado. Three games in the National Basketball Association. We got Hawks, Celtics, Knicks, Cavs, Clippers, Suns. That 11 o'clock game is fun. Blue Jays are in Houston trying to get a win after getting drubbed 9-2 last night to the Astros. So lots happening. Lots happening in the sports world. Looks like Draymond Green will not be suspended. Likely fine, just reported. So there's new news there. Who knows? Maybe there'll be no, more news on that, but it looks it was reported on Twitter. It looks like he will not be suspended. So we'll wait and see on that. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. As we recap everything, as we will every day, every weekday here through the postseason, we will be here. We'll break through the games. We'll talk about more big picture topics like I did off today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And like I said, feel free to chime in on on what what I had to say about the penalties and just where the game's going. I'd love to hear your your takes, your insight, and, and how you're viewing the game. So until tomorrow, have a great night. Enjoy the games. Just to the point.